Welcome back to the White Oak Collective Podcast, Episode 9. Coming off our best episode we've ever had yet. Um, did our last turkey episode of the year two weeks ago with Brent Rogers. and Brent's, a, Brent's an awesome guest. I, I know. I mean, it... it and it was it was good that he that he shared us on his social media. I mean, our our followers and listeners and everything jumped, and that was pretty awesome. To yeah, see that. so appreciate any of you uh, new listeners that might be hearing this. Uh, Brent's as genuine a guy as it is. He and I connected a couple of years ago and been just talking every couple of months. It seems like since then, and um, like I said, nice and genuine guys. That, yeah, as he comes off with when you hear him on something, I mean, it it sure seems like that that's really who he is. And um, we got an opportunity for him to share a few personal stories. That that's really kind of why I wanted him on. Was a lot of times he's out there talking about history of turkey hunting or history of collecting or background information like that, and he knows tons of that information. But I kind of wanted to get him to to tell some of the stories that I'd heard him tell before, just in, in conversations we had, just kind of tell a bit more of his personal side so uh if you haven't listened to that go back and, and check that episode out like i said I, I think that was a pretty good pretty good guess pretty good episode there yeah um, i mean we we got a lot of new followers from that episode like i said so i'm hoping that we can keep them followers that, keep, that keep we you can entertain, follow, yeah, yeah keep you entertained the other thing if you're new like episode. yeah the other thing if you're new bo and i are here we share an office or share a wall between our offices so we get together and um record these podcasts together and it's kind of a way for us to catch up with one another and what's going on and that's kind of what this episode is going to be today we coming off memorial day i'm calling it week because i just got back in from having a week off but memorial day i guess was a full week ago and um you were out and about doing a bunch of stuff i was going uh to the coast did a little fishing and then came back and pilled around uh, the farm a little bit and so uh, i think we both got some um just catch up stuff to do that we wanted to cover. He's got a few things uh, around the farm, and we've talked about a project with farm that that he bought back earlier in the year, and um, I know he's got a few catch ups on that. So, um, yeah. So before we get into any of that, um, we just so we say this podcast is brought to you by White Oak Properties. It kind of goes hand in hand with um, my real estate company around here, which is White Oak Properties, and we just got some sweet new hats in for summer so i figured we might as well give one away on here to one of our listeners yeah um if you'll write us a review on apple or spotify we're gonna the best one that we see we're gonna read it on the next episode and if we read your review on the next episode you'll get a hat they're uh, like i said they're white oak properties hats they're they're pretty sweet everybody that's seen me wearing one so far has asked for one so gonna give one of those away so go give us a review and and Hopefully you'll win, but getting into some stuff, a um, little bit of, I guess you could call it news going on around here right now. The Mississippi alligator season permits are on sale right now up until Thursday. I think they went on sale like the last Thursday, I think. Yeah. So, so don't go apply. Cause I've been trying to get applied or I've been trying to get drawn for like six years now and I don't need any more competition. Bo seems to get drawn. Bo seems to get drawn every time he puts his name. I've in only that. ever put in twice, but I've been drawn twice. So I'm hoping that I can get drawn again this time. We'll see, though. I feel like maybe if I talk about my six year streak of not getting drawn, it'd be kind of like a you know college baseball is going on right now. You see these streaks, people start talking about it, and the ends of the streak. Maybe if I talk about it on here, that'll end my six year streak of uh, not getting drawn. Well, I was the only one. It was going to be four of us on the boat. Um, and we, so we all applied just hoping that one of us would get a tag. And I was the only one out of the four of us that got drawn last year. Um, I don't know if all of them put in again this year. I know two of them did, but hopefully one of us will get drawn again. Cause that was my first time to do that, but it was a lot of fun last year. Well, my normal crew that always applies have always have applied again. I don't think any of, I know none of us have gotten drawn yet, but it seems like the people that do get drawn, get drawn over and over. Yeah, I mean it's uh, when you do get drawn, it's it's fun because the actual season's in August, so you've been wanting to do something for you know three months since turkey season, and you're wanting to get into hunting. You're not quite to dove season yet, um, but it gives you something to do. I mean that was our that was my first time to do it last year. One of the guys that went with us, he's done it almost every year. I mean he's hunting the Southwest Zone, which is where all the big gators are it seems like 
So he had all the equipment and everything, but we went out there and there was a whole lot of water where we went last year, but we still, we got back in this little spot and, um, you can catch, so if you get a tag, you can catch or kill two gators. Both of them have to be over four feet, but only one can be over seven feet. So the very first day we went out there, within like an hour and a half, we had caught a five-and-a-half-foot gator, and we had it up against the boat, and we were sitting there talking about, you know, should we go ahead and kill this one or should we wait or what? But then, you know, that so that rule with the uh, only one can be over seven feet, we were like, you know, might as well. So we killed that one, and that ended up being the only one that we got. But we cleaned that thing, and it was so – I mean. I remember whenever you went last year, you leaving here, and I'm pretty sure that you'd sent me a picture of it before I got to my house. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it was – and we got out there. It went early. It was early. It was broad daylight. Uh, so we were out there a couple hours before we saw anybody else. Um now, once it got dark, which we already had that gator in the boat, but once it got dark, there were boats everywhere. I don't know how many end up being killed where we were last year, but we had that one before we saw another boat. Uh, and a lot of people talk, getting back to cleaning it and stuff, a lot of people talk about those gators being fishy or chewy or whatever, like not farm-raised gators. But, I mean, that was – maybe I was biased because it was actually, you know, something that we had killed right. or whatever, but it – that was some of the best gator meat I've ever had. We made po' boys out of it, and it was it was incredible. I had one last. So a lady I work with, she's known that I've been trying to do this for a while, and they are got some Louisiana connections. And so they had gone down there, um, I guess, and, and did a hunt down there and brought me a tailback or a section of the tailback, and we fried it up as like a little appetizer. Man, it, it was good. I didn't get any fish – Everything you hear people talk about, I, I didn't get any of that out of it. When you're cleaning one, it's kind of off-putting. You'll think it's not going to taste good because they stink. I mean, it's a it's a smell that, like, you can't describe. It's, it doesn't smell like fish. It. I have no I have no idea how to describe it besides a gator. And it even starts smelling, like, after it's been in the boat for, say, an hour or so. I mean, it's fine. The meat's fine everything, but it just – they have a very distinct smell. Well, I can't help you out on uh... – I can't help you out on describing the smell because, again. Our buddy that, I, like I say, he had been a couple times. He told us about it before we even caught one. He was like, these things have a very distinct smell that is not good. And he was right. I mean, it's it's weird. But as far as the taste, it was it was super good. But um, I saw Alabama alligator permits are also – they go on sale today until July 11th. But I was looking at the area where you can actually hunt in Alabama, and it's a super small area. It's all down on the coast. Or most of it's on the coast. There's one little section I saw on the Georgia line, but uh, you have to be an Alabama resident or have an Alabama lifetime license to put in for that. And I think it's the same way it is here in Mississippi, and you have to be a resident to, to put in for it. Yeah, I think so. I wish. So I was looking at it because I think I, you know, I mentioned uh, during one of our turkey episodes, we've got that little piece over there in Alabama where I hunt that public land, mm-hmm. and the little slough that you cross from our property to the public land it's it's got some big gators in it the guys that fish the bank for brim and stuff they'll tell you all the time there's some big gators in there when i saw that outbound permits were going on sale i was hoping i could put in and um hunt over there but that's not the case there's no alligator hunting over there yet but maybe one day i mean i guess they're kind of following mississippi the same path and yeah when did ours come on like probably 2011 i think Somewhere I was thinking right it was, there. you know, time gets away from me, but I was thinking it had to be around 10 years ago. But yeah, it may have been past 2011 because I may have been out of school. May have been more like 2014 or something. But I mean, now, you know, they just had that uh, Pilahatchee Bay special season. I was going to ask you about that if you saw any up. They, it, was, it was like a small quota, small yeah, draw. Yeah, I saw where they're going to put it. They're going to do another special hunt. They are. They didn't get enough out okay. during this special hunt that they wanted to. So they're going to do another one. I don't know if they're going to have it. Again, the summer before the regular season or what, but that's just in Pilahatchee Bay. But apparently, it's just overrun with gators. Okay, well, that was the update I was looking for because I didn't know. I was looking for. I, I saw that the quota hunt was coming up. You could put in for it or whatever, but then I never saw um, any update on how it went. So yeah, I don't know how many they actually killed. I just saw where they're. I saw yeah. where one group killed like a fourteen footer. 
Uh, that's all I saw, though, and, but where they're going to need to – they want to get some more out, so. Um, okay. I, I didn't get I, – I put in for that tag, but I didn't get it. So. I didn't I didn't enter that one. I was waiting to uh, enter the big one. And talk well, since about I it. didn't get that one, maybe I'll get the big one. Yeah, and just to help on the streak thing, remember, six years, got to break the streak. Yeah, you just <laughs> you just got to get more lucky, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Just keep talking about it on here six years. Well, so you talked about just getting past gator hunting. We'll hope maybe we can if we actually get drawn, maybe we can have a full episode devoted on gator to that. hunting. Yeah, but that's contingent on if either one of us actually get drawn or if anybody we know gets drawn. But I'm been, not opposed to still talking about it, even if I don't get drawn. But um, I do think it's interesting. I think it's a cool thing. Yeah, it is. And like I said, it's fun. It's something to do during the summer that you wouldn't normally do. It's hunting in the summer, so. It's worth it's worth putting in for for sure. Yeah, or not, so you don't give me competition. Yeah, well, <laughs> just try. So you mentioned kind of when we started um, talking about some of the land projects that I've been doing this past weekend. I really was knocking some stuff out. I saw it on your socials. Looked like you were uh, pretty steady out there. Yeah, I'm kind of been living on that dozer the last couple weekends every every opportunity i get and basically every friday i've been out there because i don't really well before i started doing this i didn't have a ton of experience on that dozer and so i'm kind of having to figure out how to top roads and build roads and everything but i'm getting the hang of it i mean this this past friday i rocked and rolled on that thing and started opening up roads and food plots and just kind of openings and stuff like that but uh, well to talk a little bit more about that side of it most of this work's been on what, like a thirteen, fourteen year old pine plantation. It's not quite. Well, it's not even plantation. It's just natural regen. Like, yeah, it's probably it's probably fifteen year old stuff, but it's all just natural regeneration. So it's it's thick, super thick in there. So when I'm this is on the project farm that we've mentioned, you know, multiple times. But when I bought this forty that joined it. It's just, I mean, it had one little bitty road in it, but it wasn't even big enough that you could take a truck down. I mean, it was just basically a walking trail. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not good for hunting, but that's also not good for your wildlife. I mean, just a 40-acre block of thick, thick woods is pretty limiting for anything. I mean, yeah, you've got some deer bedding in there, but uh, it's so thick that there's not a, not a bunch to eat for deer. It's too thick for turkeys to want to be out in. So... That's what I've just been working hard on trying to get openings put out in there. Um, a, a lot of the openings I'm making, I'm not even going to plant. I'm just going to let them be kind of natural They'll openings. Come yeah, um, kind of like old field management type stuff. But I'll plant some of the food plots for deer season, but a lot of them I'll just kind of leave. Well, and it's like to describe it to people, like if you're not from around here, when, when you talk about it being thick, like from traveling and hunting other places, like – when I one thing I noticed, like we were talking about it on that turkey trip we were on, like it's almost like the woods are clean. Like you can just walk through them, you can cruise through, like and it won't even be big big woods that you can just cruise through. But like the place you're describing, like if you're going to just take off across it, it's like turn around, duck your head, and walk backwards and push your way through it. Yeah, it's no, so you're thick. not. Like, you're not walking through it. Uh-uh. It's, I mean, it's a combination of two things. It's like super thick vegetation of briars and blackberries and just brush or there's nothing under there and it's just like dead pine limbs littered in pine straw with nothing to eat so it's like it's a perfect combination of it's i guess it makes good bedding because you can get in there and and tuck in around the edges of it but like out in the middle of those places like there's literally nothing out there well and it's not tall the trees aren't big enough yet to crown out and shade anything out up under it so it's just everything's growing good right now out there and it's i mean it's kind of sketchy driving a building a road through that stuff with a dozer because you can't see you can't see out from under i mean when you're pushing you're just kind of hoping that, yep and i i did i hit a wet spot a couple of weeks ago that buried that dozer and luckily i was able to pull it out with the winch that it's got on the back but it was that was kind of scary for a minute being i worked on that dozer for like three days and then i had it buried and i was I was nervous to try to call anybody. Luckily, I got it out. But yeah, that's been that's been fun. You um, had to pretty much. There was one kind of existing road that went through it, and then yeah, but like I off say, of I it. mean, it was it wasn't really a road. I mean, I could yeah, yeah, get yeah, my can am right. down mm-hmm. it, but it was 
It was, it was banging on all sides yeah, of my it was, can. It was a I mean, squeeze. it wasn't. You definitely weren't getting a truck down there. It was just the people that had hunted it before I bought it. I think they went in there just with hand tools and opened mm-hmm. up a big enough trail where they could get. They had little food plots that they weren't hardly bigger than this room that we're in, but uh, they were just trying to get to them, and, right? And so they cut those little things. But yeah, I've been opening all those up, and like I said, making those openings and everything. The, so how big of area are you looking at opening up back there for like you took some of those existing openings and then you're yeah you're making I mean, those so bigger but like what are you I'm kind of half acre acre well, i'm kind of blocking that i'm treating that as its own separate place that 40 acres i mean it's not it mixes into everything but i'm trying to it's 40 acres so i'd like to open up at least five acres or so on mm-hmm. the total split up between a couple different ones but i'd like to have you know over 10 percent of the the whole place and open fields yeah um especially for, you know really for turkeys for deer too but really for turkeys but i'll probably plant i'll probably plant maybe three acres of that and then let the rest be managed for old field burn it off every couple of years or mow it every other year yeah not let any trees get in there but just let it be tall grass and try to get some native grass in there okay talking about burning every couple of years though an update on that when we we talked about where we burnt that stuff me and you burnt mm-hmm. in the spring that stuff it's looking good and i think it was probably perfect for um brooding this year but it really didn't kill the pines and the sweet gums and stuff like i wanted it to i don't think it got hot enough i knew that it wouldn't i knew it wasn't going to get all those pines and i knew that the sweet gums were dormant but it really didn't get hot enough to kill near as many of those pines as I was hoping for. So probably going to have to go back in there and burn that again. I don't know if we'll do maybe a – Did the turf grass and all come back enough that you might can burn it again this fall to try to top kill any of the sweet I'm going to try to burn in, say, like September or so where it, when it's still growing, try to get some of that stuff. But It, it kind of had a combination of like – it had some woody stuff growing up in it, but it also had – it had broom sedge in it, but other than that, it was a lot of just like old pasture, turf grass, bahia grass, that sort of thing that you were trying to kill out of there too. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough burning in September because, you know, there's not a bunch of litter on the ground. It's, it's all green stuff, so it's going to be hard to get it hot enough to kill those trees again, but I'm going to at least try. If not... You have to wait a year. Well, worst case scenario, I could go in there and spray, and I don't want to kill everything, but if I sprayed in the fall before it goes dormant and then let the grasses come back in the springtime that might work but i'd rather burn than spray because i hate to kill everything out there and right you go trying to kill sweet gums and pines you're pretty much you got to spray something that's going to kill everything Mm -hmm. so yeah i actually was looking at a a place we have that we weren't able to burn this past year uh, that we graze cows under and it's got a lot of encroachment with sweet gums and so i've I've been looking at that the last couple days of trying to figure out something that was a selective herbicide that we could spray and maybe broadcast and kill a lot of the sweet gums out but after talking to a couple chemical reps i mean it doesn't that's either going to be a multi-year process i mean i think we're going to get back to just burning it is going to be the the ideal way because it doesn't look like there's any great just selective chemical to kill those out of there without killing everything yeah i mean you're it'd be like selective herbicide when you um spray to release pines i mean you can Mm -hmm. spray something like that but yeah you're killing everything but your pines when you spray that yeah all your forbs grasses all that it's like all your grass selective stuff doesn't look like it'll or or at least it's not on label to kill the sweet gums it'll the thing about it though if you spray i mean it's gonna come back or the sweet gums and stuff won't come back as fast obviously because they're a lot bigger but your grasses and your forbs and stuff will come back but it's gonna take a little while you're gonna have a bunch of brown dead fields for a while but if that you know, if you want, if you want it to be an open field, and you've, it's going to take you know, it takes some time to get it how you want it if it's been ignored for a couple of years, and that's how this place that I've got was. I mean, nobody, I mean, it wasn't mowed, it wasn't burned, it wasn't sprayed for probably three or four years, and you could tell. So it's going to take some work. I mean, you can't expect to get to a point that takes years and then fix it within one, one year. year. It's yeah. just not, you know, it's just not really how it's going to be done well right next to that you did some like a big spring plot or something yeah I pl- well i planted there's 
that big power line that runs through there. I, planted, I guess I say summer plot instead of a. Yeah, I planted plot. it probably. It's probably been a month ago now, but I tried that WMS seed pea patch, mm-hmm. and I'm happy with it. I mean, it's not. I didn't. I used a hand spreader, so it's not as great as. It's not spread as great as I would like, but the areas where I did get good coverage, it's growing good. It's I probably planted two acres of it total on two different spots, but it looks good. I mean, I'm hoping that army worms or anything doesn't get out there and, and get it all, but right now I'm happy with it. It's growing good. The deer hadn't just completely knocked it back. They're letting it grow some, so hopefully that'll help. I mean, I don't know what. I don't know how the deer were managed on that place before I got it, so I don't really know. I've only just now started running the camera out there, so I don't really know what's out there. I don't know if there's any, any, you know, older bucks out there, but we'll see. I'm just trying to bump everything up. I mean, on top of planting that, I'm running some protein feeders, just trying to, trying to bump everything up and get it, make it better. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not. The long-term plan for this isn't to hold it forever. It's to sell it after a little while. So if I can try to improve it, just yeah, just bump up the overall deer population. I mean that'll help it for the next owner. They won't be coming into a mess. They'll they'll have it rocking and rolling. So so the but so those plots are just down the power line. Mm-hmm. You just made long like within the power line right away. Just long narrow plots. Yeah, because I didn't have to. I mean. I hadn't pushed any of these food plots when I wanted to get that seed in the ground. So yeah. so that's all I had. That's all the openings I had to work with. And it was, I mean, it was growing up bamboo and because that creek <laughs> was, runs through yeah. that power line. So it was bamboo and all kind of stuff. So what this was the first year planting, so it wasn't great. Um, it wasn't a great seed bed to begin with. But like I said, overall, I'm happy with that WMS seed. It was, um, it's growing good for, for, the coverage that I had and the kind of poor seed bed. What all was in that? To be honest with you, I don't know. I know it's got a mix of it's got soybeans, it's got cowpeas. I think it may have. Did it have like millet or sorghum or sunflower? It's got or sunflower. It's got two other peas or beans that I'm not lab lab maybe. No, it doesn't have lab lab. I wanted the one they have a lab lab and corn that I wanted to get, but they didn't sell it here locally. Um, but it's got the sunflowers to help those peas grow mm-hmm. to let yeah. them climb on something. Uh, so hopefully those will. I'm kind of hoping that there may be enough sunflowers in there to get a little small scale dove hunt in it this fall. But and that ought to be a big enough. The only times I've done some summer plots a couple of times. I always I say every year I'm going to, and it's something I need to. I was, I was hoping that doing this podcast was going to help push me to to do a little bit more of that this year. Um. I've done it twice. One back when we were in college, I think we did some soybeans a few times, and we just didn't have anywhere that was really big enough on the place we hunt. That they just wiped them out as soon as they came up. They wiped them out, bit them off, and nothing grew back. Uh, but I've had a fair amount of luck with the iron clay peas, and they're a the, lot more resistant to to uh, deer. Brown, yeah. Well, and the thing about it with them is, it seems like the deer aren't they don't really want them until they get on up close, like right about the time they start. I guess really want to start to put on a pee, like that's when they, they kind of change yeah. and, and the deer are attracted to them. But the biggest thing that it did for me when I planted them was dirt was a completely different where I am compared to where this place you just planted them. But it was like, it was an old loading ramp, hard compaction where the, all the heavy machinery was loading out uh, pine trees. And it was just like red dirt packed in, couldn't get like grass didn't even grow on it. Yeah. And uh, planted that one year and it just like, completely fixed that i get it's got a deep enough tap root um yeah and that nitrogen i mean nitrogen yeah pump nitrogen back into the soil uh but i really think those like those tap roots be able to go through and like really break through because i think i i top seeded that whenever i did it i didn't disc it i top seeded it um and it grew through the existing like i think i top seeded like in what was a wheat field or wheat fall planting and then i top seeded that on it which probably not supposed to do it's a big seed to be top seeding but um it came up pretty good and like i said it broke through and it really really helped that place a lot well and a good thing that it'll tell you talking about 
them wiping it out early, it'll tell you what you need to do with your deer population too. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a two acre summer plot and you can't get anything up because the deer are wiping it out, well, you probably need to do some. Don't have enough food. Yeah, I mean, well, you need to do some knocking back of your does probably in the fall because yeah. well, it's that's one of the two. I mean, yeah. Well, you, you don't have enough food for what you have on the place, yeah. but it's kind of a double thing. You need more food and less deer. Well, and it's a lot easier. In my opinion, it's a lot easier to knock back your population than it is to make more food. Cause right. you've only got so many openings on your place. You've only got so much burning you can do. I mean, and limited resources. I mean, most people out there don't have access to a lot of, a lot of stuff you need to really go in there and open up or afford having somebody come in there and do it for you. Yeah. I was about to say it's not well, and it's not even just planting this stuff. It's not cheap, especially with fertilizer like it is now. I didn't put, I think I went about half the fertilizer that, this seed called for just because it's so dang expensive and i mean you want to do it right but at the same time you don't want to just keep dumping money out there especially if they're going to wipe it out and i like i said me not knowing anything about the deer out there yet i could have planted it and they wiped it all out first go and i had nothing out there for all the money that i'd spent but they hadn't they hadn't knocked it out yet which i'm hoping that that means that the population's not as out of whack is I was kind of scared of, but once I start running a bunch of cameras and stuff, then we'll really see. If it does like the clay peas I've done before, they'll probably will leave it alone. Well, the other thing too, on leaving it alone is like you got all the other native brows that's coming up right now mm-hmm. and it's joining a what hundred acre cut over. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you got a lot of native brows that's coming up right there next to it. So there's stuff they would probably rather eat that's right there next to it. Yeah. I mean, there's that's that- helping protect it. That's on that power line, and that power line, which we'll talk about blackberries in a little bit, but that power line is absolutely full of blackberries. So you know they're just out there. They're eating the blackberry vines themselves, mm-hmm. and they're eating the blackberries. I mean, they've got so much food right there next to it that the the peas and the beans, they're kind of there for, I would say, late July, August, mm-hmm. where it's just so hot everything else is kind of wilted or you know we're not getting as much rain then so it's kind of starting to die off well that's when your peas and beans are really gonna push them through get them through that little dry period hopefully they'll do you have a camera on that power line like i do i've got i've got one on that on one of the plots and it's not getting hammered yet i did have a big old gobbler walk through there the other day but uh, there's not a ton of deer coming through there yet, and it's just like you're saying. I think there's just so there's much. so much around it. Yeah, there's so much out there in general right now for them to eat that getting them in one spot to eat, which is a good thing, like I say, because mm-hmm. they're not eating it all. But I did have a little buck starting to show some horn or antler uh, the other day, but that's the first one I've had that's this seeing some velvet. Uh, I haven't seen any yet. I love. I still have. I put some cell cams up just like long roads and um, over a couple, just some of our green fields and still seen a bunch of does come around, but I hadn't seen anything starting to bud out with horns yet, which usually right around July 4th is when I start putting cameras on some of my mineral licks. And uh, it just seems like that's when I start really kind of looking for those is, oh, is around that around July here, 4th weekend. Our deer around here are typically later too, because I mean that, and that's kind of part of the, reason that they don't in my opinion if they don't get as big is because they're they don't grow for as long i mean that's why you'll still i mean middle of turkey season you'll still have deer holding on the horn mm-hmm. where everywhere else it seems like it's dropped horns well when you don't drop till april and you don't start growing until late may then two of the biggest deer i've ever seen i walked up on during turkey season yeah full and, full racks and you would wish that they yeah. had already dropped them and yep. were already starting to get ready to grow but they don't that's i mean it's the same with Fawns get, I mean, fawns get dropped later here, so they don't have as much time to grow. It's kind of a full, I mean, that's not something to get into now. But That was, I, we were talking about that a couple weeks ago when we were on that hunting trip. Like, we were seeing bucks um, up north that were already, like, they were already splitting. Like, mm-hmm. they, they'd come up past their ears and were starting to split some. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's. We got just buds, basically. Yeah, well, when you've got your rut up there is the first week in November, so. Mm-hmm. those are being bred around then whereas here those are being bred first week in january so that's two months later that before that fawn's going to be dropped and well the daylight cycle is a lot different too yeah. up there it's it's staying daylight a whole lot whole lot longer yeah and that's one you know talking about those phones that's one of the 
that's one of the reasons you need to provide that additional nutrition is because if they get dropped, they're getting dropped right now. They're needing, they're a month old when it, everything's drying up and wilting away. They need some nutrition bad. I mean, they've got, you know, they've got to get milk. That doe's got to have something to put some nutrition in that milk or, or they're going to be behind the eight ball from mm-hmm. the get-go. I mean, it's basically just like a. Well, I think I mentioned it maybe in one of the, maybe the first podcast we were talking about just some projects, something to do and all. I think I mentioned a study Auburn did a while back that was kind of opening to me yeah. on that like late gestation and um, I guess like how much that mom's putting into what that phone's full potential is going to be through like late gestation. I can't remember if it went into like once they actually had hit the ground or not, but uh, you still got to think it does matter. I mean, that, yeah, that early nutrition, no, like that's going to. no nutrition in that milk, then. That phone's going to be behind the eight. It's going to be stunted. I mean, yeah. It's with, just yeah. like an undernourished baby, yeah. human baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're you know they're typically going to be smaller right. their whole life because they were undernourished when they were babies. But I think a lot of people don't think about that and the overall health of it. They just it's more no, buck. Like this, this is what people are trying to do. And they're not thinking about what the overall health of the herd is. And it's and it's even when you know it's still hard to because you're talking about a phone that if you're trying to manage your bucks for. Trophy class bucks. You're talking about four and a half to five and a half years away from when that phone is. So it's hard to think like, all right, I need to make sure this phone gets enough nutrition. Yeah. We're five and a half years down the road. It's, it's a long term investment. Yeah, it is because you can't start if you've got a below average deer at three and a half years old. You're not just going to start all of a sudden feeding it a lot of protein, giving it a lot of food, and expect it to just blow up into a trophy in two years. It's just not. It's not how it works. Speaking of velvet antlers and all, didn't um, I think we mentioned it an episode or two ago? They did re didn't they re up the this yep. velvet season this yep. year? So yep. we do do have that coming again in September as a as an early hunt for um, for deer here. I think they, yeah, that I didn't a, do that last year. I'm fired up about it this year though because I'll have that I'll have those that pea and bean field to hunt yeah. over. So I'm pretty fired up. About I that. went last year. Um, I think I went. I think I just went once um, over that weekend. It was like a three-day season or something like that, special special tag season, and it's like three days. Uh, I think I got one hunt in on that. I made uh, – Morgan and I were talking to my wife. Uh, we got back from our, our trip last week, and uh, we were standing in the kitchen. And I was like, you know what time it is? She was, you know, obviously had no idea what I was talking. I was like, about time to start shooting the bow. Yep. <laughs> She's like, no, don't even – She's like, don't even – I'm not even talking to you. Well, last year, which we talked about this in, I think, the first episode probably, because we're getting, I mean, we're getting to the point where we had called up from the last episode. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first episode pretty much. But last year I was shooting my bow. I mean, I started, I started in probably February and was shooting my bow all the time because I had that elk hunt coming up. Well, this year I don't have any big bow hunts, so I'm not thinking about it as much, but I was. I was looking at it the other day. Like, I did. I got home, and it was uh, we had been out picking blackberries and stuff, which we'll get to in a minute. But uh, we had gotten back in from doing all that, and I said, you know, this time of year, after we do the blackberries, it's time to break out the bows. And she's like, gosh, don't bring that. Don't even start that. We just got back from the beach. Well, it's, it's like turkey season just ended. Please don't start talking about the next one. Yeah, I have a lot of I have a lot of um, things that irritate me like little tangents when it comes to hunting and stuff, but people that go bow hunting and don't practice with their bow, that that pisses me off. That's It's half-assed to me, and there's so many. I mean, there's no telling how many deer get wounded and never found each year because people just, they walk out there. Grab and go. They walk out there, grab their bow, shoot it four times. Oh, it hit the target. It's good to go. Well, hitting that target four times is a lot different than having your muscles and everything trained up right. when you're actually in the in the situation, but that's – that's just one of those tangents that I'll go off on sometimes, but you should shoot your bow a lot as I, much as you can. I enjoy it. Like I, I, it's to me, it's, it's fun to get out and do. I wish, uh, I would do it a lot more if it wasn't so scalding hot here during the summer. Well, the that, best that's time, the biggest time when I was doing it last summer. Doing it right I, at dusk. I'll start. No, I was doing it first thing in the morning. Uh. Wake up, pour my coffee, walk outside, start shooting my bow and drink my coffee. Then, I mean, so that's it, you know, six o'clock, six thirty, well you've already shot and you're good to go by six forty five or seven. Got your day ahead of you. But that's yeah, to me that was the best time to shoot. 
Yeah, it's I, I just enjoy doing it. Oh, or in shooting with somebody, like it's fun to go out there and play games. And yeah, they've got around here uh, the Boy Scouts have Camp Bonacci, and they've got a um, one of those little courses that you uh-huh. can go shoot, and they've got all the different three D targets that you can walk through and shoot. And I've never done it, but I've wanted to. We used to. That's have what one. I, I've always seen it. Uh, they have a, a well, a five stand and a. Uh, sport and clay range out there too and i've always seen the the archery range but where i lived there i mean it's yeah. almost an hour to get there from where yeah. i am so uh, i always looked at it whenever i was down there for like a sport and clay shoot but i've never never gone there and done the, the archery side yeah we used to have one there was one in oxford when we were in school that we would go do a good bit um college kids ended up stealing the target so they had to close <laughs> it down but uh it was it was fun just go out there and I mean it puts you more in the setting. You're shooting down a wood lane yeah. at an actual 3D target versus sitting in your backyard shooting a square. So mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. But the only other thing, getting back to doing some land stuff, the only other thing that we've got going on out there is it's finally getting dry enough where we've got some timber to thin. Uh, we've got 35 acres of pine plantation out there that needed thinning probably two or three years ago, but. We're going to thin it now, um, and I've talked to the loggers, and we're going to thin a little heavier than normal, meaning we're going to pull out a little more than than a typical thin would be just because I want to open it up more for yeah. the turkeys and the deer. I'm kind of – it's a trade-off that everybody kind of does, whether it's like, you know, at what point are you willing to trade a little bit of your long-term timber investment for – your wildlife. You don't. You obviously want to make some money on your property. You don't want to go full just for your wildlife and no uh, investment play. But there's a kind of a fine line that you can walk on, I guess. I got a guy. I think I've told you before. I got a guy I want to get on later this summer at some point to talk a little bit about that on like how to balance those long term goals on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love. To, I'd love to get a logger on here. Yeah. That is out there doing it every day that can talk about the differences in in first thins and clear cuts and, you know, what kind of basal area you want to cut to that first thin and all that. It'd be it'd be a cool little deal. Yeah, I think so too. All right, so getting to getting down to you. My my turn. What yeah, what uh you kinda had a big week and weekend. Let's, we did. It was it was nice. Uh it's been hard kind of getting back in the frame of mind to go back to work because it, it was it was a good long week. Um. So first, you went went to the coast, went fishing. Was um, that so? You were at were you at Orange Beach? Or? Yeah, Orange Beach. Okay. So went with a, a good friend of mine, high school, college. We hunt together still. Like we just, I, I talked to him about three times a day. It seems like so almost a brother at this point. Um, but he's always been the uh, he's always fished. I've always hunted. So I got him more into hunting. He got me more into fishing, and so. Last time, last year, I want to say, I want to say it was about last year this time or so, he got a uh, a bay boat. He's been trying to get into uh, fishing down along the coast, Mississippi coast, Alabama coast, that. He, he's been wanting to do that a little bit more. And so he's kind of figuring it out. I've been a handful of times, but not enough to really know anything about it. I've always been with somebody. So this, uh, this trip took the families down there, and we were going to fish some of the mornings and just kind of, this is going to be our just like, let's go figure it out trip. You know, just two of us. We're let's go see what we can do, and we ended up having a great trip. I mean, for us, we were trying to catch fish. We caught fish. So that's people, how me and I've got two of my buddies. One of them that's got a place down there, and his dad's got a bay boat, and we, which we'll take it offshore when the when it's mm-hmm. calm. But we've been trying. I mean, we've been doing it for two or three years, figuring stuff out, and that's kind of the best. That's the most fun part. Like just learning new stuff. It's just like if you didn't hunt much and you're figuring that stuff out. You're, you're learning every time you go out there you're like all right this is this works this doesn't this is how you catch them this is the time of year you catch them. right it's you're always figuring something new out yeah i mean there's folks that want to go down there and just and i mean we're we would have loved to do that too just like catch limits of slot fish and take them back that would have been great but we were fishing yeah, we just well, <laughs> we were trying our goal was to not get skunked go in there figure out what we can do so first day we didn't have much time, so we just kind of put in there at the pass. Um, immediately saw some ladyfish schooling. As soon as we got there, we were like, hey, let's get the skunk off our back so we can catch one. So we caught one right off the bat. We're like, all right, we're good. Um, 
So we ended up fishing like that rock wall, jetty wall coming out of the pass. Caught a bunch of papano there. Um, saw some gigantic stingrays. It was that was cool. Um, that was kind of day one. So I, I I think we caught again like fifteen twenty fish something like that. So yeah, I try to we, go. Um, I've done it every year, about twice a year. But I will just I walk out on those rock yeah, jetties and there was fish a bunch. off of there. And you catch fish. I mean, yeah. I've never walked out there and not caught fish. We were uh, we were talking about that. We we tried to avoid. There was one that a lot of people were doing that on, and we were originally headed to that side. They were like, "Let's not be those." I was like, "These people walked out here on this jetty. Let's not go be the guys that pulled up right in front of them with the boat. Yeah. Let's fish the other side." And so uh, that's what we did. We caught. Like I said, we we didn't have any trouble catching fish right there. Um, so we were happy with that morning. We only fished for like an hour, and then got out of there. And then uh, the rest of the time we fish like uh i guess it's actually like bon secours bay it's like it's mobile bay but it's yeah. like the east side of it um and the the exciting and disappointing thing about both mornings that we fished there was that um uh, we called a keeper trout first fish both mornings and we we're like oh yeah we're on them this is yeah, gonna be great to be and, and that was it that was the only keeper spec we caught um uh, but well we caught two one day and one that day. Now we caught a bunch of undersized ones, caught a bunch of little reds, caught a bunch of white trout. Um, so, I mean, I, I think both days we were out there, we caught 25, 30 fish both days. So. I mean, and that's the best thing about fishing down there. That's I'm not, I'm not a huge like pond fisherman or whatever around here, but down there I love fishing because you throw that line in the water, there's no telling what you're about right. to catch. Like there's, and that's kind of, you know, same way with like, I like jug fishing and stuff mm-hmm. in the river because you never really know what you're about to pull up. Yeah. And there's so many different things. I don't I don't really care to sit there and cast all day for a bass. Yeah, I'll do it every now and then. See, I'm the I'm like exact opposite of you when it comes to that. I'm a pond fishing specialist. I love, I hate fishing on big bodies of water because I've never I, I'm, well, I'm just, not saying I'm good at it. I yeah, just like well, doing I, it. my thing's like I've never done it really. So um never been that into it or like fishing on a lake. Like I've done that a ton i've just never been able to figure it out but going fishing in a pond or robert and i were talking about that this weekend like brim fishing in a pond like that's that's my thing i like to just sit there and yeah i mean i do it every now and then just because i like eating fish but yeah i don't it just doesn't like the difference in a three pound bass and a seven pound bass just doesn't excite you it's a bass i mean i just don't really care but you go out there and like you say you catch a speckled trout a white trout a redfish pompano i mean there's just so much different stuff. Well, that was kind of that. That was uh, our spread. Pretty much was was everything you just named. Um, so we had fun. I mean, we were like, Tony was like, "Look, where where we live? When I go duck hunting, I duck hunt. Mm-hmm. Like I don't care what we we're duck hunting. When we went down there fishing, I was like, we're just fishing. Let's catch fish. So, yeah, that's a guy that, and I wouldn't call myself, you know, one of these true duck hunters like you're talking about. But uh, that's what me and a guy that I hunt with a lot for ducks. It's like. We're not, we don't like going and now granted, if we had the place and we could do it all the time, we might like going to kill our four mallards, but like, uh, yeah, I exactly. like killing a variety. Yeah. I like seeing all different kinds of ducks, killing all yeah. different kinds. Like it's just the, the differences in the variety is kind of what makes it fun to me. Same way with this. That's, we always mess with our buddies from the Delta about that. They'll go over there and they'll be talking about waiting for that or looking for mallards. And that, some of the guys I work with, they go over there and they, are all about just going to shoot mountains. I'm like, dude, when we go, we duck hunt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and I might, like I say, I, I can't really say that I don't like shooting the four mallards because I don't ever have the opportunity to do that. Because the, same, last, yeah, the yeah, like, spot where we duck hunt, you're not, if you wait on mallards, you're probably not killing ducks. Mm-hmm. So, you you know, you might kill one or two a hunt, or you might have one hunt a season where you kill a limit of mallards, but. You better just be shooting ducks if you want to kill ducks. Yeah. So that that was the I guess the only thing um on the fishing trip that I when I go fishing I like to kill fish. Like mm-hmm. I fish cuz I like to eat fish. Yeah. Um so would have liked to be able to catch a few more keepers, but um we did both we we got a handful um and so we got them while y'all were down there. We had and I got them at the house. I think we may do them this week. So gotcha. Um he took hey, we had enough. We ended up catching enough like bigger white trout we kept some of them with the speckled trout so um uh, probably gonna he we had enough he took it back home and i took it back home so got enough to make it worth cooking yeah exactly so um yeah that was kind of the coast fishing trip we didn't get skunked we had a good time um caught fish every day um 
Yeah, really happy. We had, had good weather. It was nice, really pleasant down there. Like, because I'm not somebody that goes to the beach and wants to just sit out there and scorch in the sun. Mm-hmm. And it was like low 80s, high 70s. Nights were were kind of cool. Um, super comfortable weather for that. And then, uh, fortunately, we met, we thought one morning we thought we were going to end up getting rained out. Uh, looking at the weather, but we got up anyway and ended up being a beautiful morning. Actually, that morning we had less people to to contend with because. Uh, I think more people looked at the uh, radar that morning. The only people that were really out that morning were charter captains. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so that, that was kind of the the fishing trip. Came back Friday, and uh, so you got back, and the blackberries were ready to be picked. Close. Um, I think they were a little bit. I'm gonna say they may be a little bit behind because we were looking. We we put up. The reason why we're picking blackberries, we we always make um, blackberry preserves, and so. We were looking at, I think we jarred, or the one one jar of blackberry reserves we had left from last year was like, I think, 6-5 of 22. And so we were doing that on, what, the third, I think, yeah. was Saturday. So we were two days early. But I think just from looking around at them, I think we're, if you went back a week from now, maybe this weekend, probably the following weekend, though, like you'd have more than you could ever want out there. I mean, there, there was – tons and tons and tons and tons of ones that weren't ripe yet but um i mean i stopped when i was when i got off the dozer on friday it was like three o'clock so it was just as hot as it could be but i stopped on that power line and picked a i filled my yeti cup up with them and uh, just kind of got tired of picking them. i mean i might yeah. go, i'll go back in a week or so and pick some more maybe this week and pick some more well that's what that's what i was gonna say is like for anybody listening to this one i was gonna give the the jam or the preserve recipe because it's super simple. If you've never if you've never done it, you really ought to do it. Super, super, super easy. Um, probably it takes more time just getting your jars and all ready to can them than it does to actually make the jam or make the preserves. But um, yeah, just about picking them a little bit. If it's something great to get out and do, we enjoy doing it. My my wife loves going out every year and doing it. And so, well, it's just one more thing that you can get off. Yeah, you know, we probably. talk about stuff off the land all the time. That's just one more thing that you can get off of the land and you yeah, guys, they grow from like Maine to Illinois and Texas to Florida. So like if you're anywhere Eastern Southeastern U S like you got them. And if you've got any kind of power line that's growing up a little bit, if you've got a cut over anywhere that gets a lot of sunlight fence rows, yeah, you're going to have blackberries on your property. Yeah. And so that's, that's what I'm saying. We were a little bit early cause we had to like hit a bunch of different spots. We just kind of rode around and grabbed a few here. Grabbed, like, we were probably grabbing like, handfuls off each bush mm-hmm. like it, they ours were really kind of behind now like i said if you come back in a week it's gonna be like you can pick a bucket loader where you stop but um it doesn't take all that many so um it's really kind of surprising how few you need you need to make the recipe which i'll get into here in just a second you need five cups of them but um like we got a little small i don't know it's probably like a gallon size bucket fill it about halfway up and it'll make I think it'll make two batches pretty easy filling that little bucket up. Um, but if you've never done it, I would recommend one bug spray. Red bugs are, are bad. Tore, me and her both get a bunch of red bug bites. Uh, and then two, probably want to wear some sleeves and some gloves because they do have thorns on them. And, and Well, I mean, they're briars. Yeah. That's what they are. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, they'll all, it'll probably be, I bet this weekend, because we got some rain last night, and it's supposed to rain a little bit more this week, I bet this weekend will be on point. That, that little shot of extra water is going to yeah. be good for them. The, um, that was probably the one of the other things we noticed was, like, if you got in a nice shady spot, like had some pine canopy or something like that, if you're in a shady spot, you had bigger ripe ones. Mm-hmm. If you were somewhere in direct sun, it's been a little bit dry the last couple of weeks, so if you were somewhere that was, like, direct sunlight – uh, the ripe ones were were tiny, and those so, bigger ones are so much sweeter than the little. Yep, little so much ones. sweeter, and it. I, that's what I was telling her was you get more berry per pick. So yeah, we have to reach sure. up, we have to reach up in there and and dig through the briars and pick them. It, it goes a lot faster whenever you're picking the big ones. So, um, anyway, so I'm just going to do yeah, the go recipe. Ahead and get so into the, the yeah, recipe. yeah. So what you'll need uh, for the one we make is five cups of blackberries. One packet of pectin, which is going to come in a little box. Um, 
probably about the size of two mat, two little small match boxes. And when you uh, like, put it, when you get it out of the box, it's going to look like something that you don't want to put in your body, but it's in every single jam and jelly that there is out there. Yeah, and then you need seven cups of sugar. And so, as Bo and I were talking, thing you don't want to put in your body. <laughs> so but. Bo and I talking about, like some people make there's there's a way to make it without the pectin, uh, which gets a little bit more involved on like knowing when to pull it and all that but i was like look if you're gonna pour seven cups of sugar in it i don't think the pectin no if you're <laughs> if you're gonna eat jam or jelly you're getting that much sugar so you might as well just accept it i mean that the only thing that i've found that you don't have to do that and i won't have any this year because that freeze knocked my tree back so bad but figs mm-hmm. i don't add any sugar to my fig preserves and that's they're kind of sweet enough but that's the only thing i've found that you can make preserves with with no sugar everything else that i've ever done preserves with like you gotta slam it full of sugar Mm -hmm. um so anyway so that's that's your ingredients five cups of blackberries one pack of pectin seven cups of sugar and what you'll do is i guess there's really two steps you got to step toward cooking them you got to step toward getting your jars and already which i may touch on a little bit but i may just point you into a different direction with it but for the blackberry side for the recipe side uh just want like a medium size medium large size boiler saucepan something that's big enough to hold them and you're gonna put your five cups of blackberries just straight in there we maybe crush them a little bit when we first put them in there we don't crush them when we measure them so it's five cups of un- uncrushed blackberries put them in your in your pan or in your in your pot on high add your packet of pectin in there you want to bring that to a bowl so like as you put them in there and you add the pectin to it you want to be stirring constantly and maybe even mashing a little bit as you go through this step. And so you want to bring that to a boil. Um, and it's going to take just a little bit, you know, for that to, to get heated up and all. And as, as you're crushing it and as you're stirring it and as that heat gets to it, it's going to break those blackberries down. You're still going to, it's a preserve, so you're still going to have some, some whole pieces left in there. But uh, just kind of mash and stir, mash and stir until you get to, to a good boil. Once it starts boiling, that's when you add your seven cups of sugar, and that's going to knock your boil back. Keep stirring. You want to bring that to a bowl after you've added the sugar. So you want to bring it back to a bowl, a good rolling bowl. One minute, stirring constantly. Once your minutes elapse, take it off the heat. Just kind of let it sit there and cool as, as you get your other stuff ready. And you can be doing like your jar step and all as as this is going on. Um, but that's it. I mean, that's that's the recipe. Super simple. Five five cups of blackberries, one bag of pectin, seven cups of sugar. You're going to bring it to a boil twice, basically. The berries and the pectin to a boil the first time. Then you're going to add seven cups of sugar, bring it to a boil for a minute, remove it from the heat. Yeah, and we won't – there's no point in getting into it here because you can look it up super easy. But the only thing that I would say you have to be careful about is making sure you do your um, jars right. Yeah, yeah. Your- yeah, so that, that's what I was going to say. The other thing is, like, uh, we put them up with water bath canning. So, you know – this has enough acid in it. Water bath canning is going to be safe for it. Um, your packet of pectin is going to have probably the same. It may have this exact same recipe on it. I know we got it out of like a, um, we have like a ball canning book we bought, which I meant to look up the, the actual name of it, but it's a great like intro to canning book. It's got a ton of recipes in it from jams, jellies, preserves, salsas, salsas, um, and sauces, I guess I should say. Uh, but anyway, and it kind of walks you through all like the canning process and all, but, um, just getting on YouTube and watching somebody do the, do the water bath canning. If you've never done it, that that's probably the best way to, to do that. Um, it's not hard, but like Bo said, you just want to make sure you do that sort right because, um, there's a botulism that grows in it if, if, if they're not sealed correctly. So and this, is, this is so random, but talking about ball as the, uh, jar makers and all that, Y'all, I always thought about Ball as like a little small type company, maybe a southern company or whatever. The NBA Finals, the Nuggets are in the NBA Finals, and their court or their arena is like Ball Arena or Ball Court, and it's that brand. It's that like brand, I, yeah. I couldn't picture a canning company. I guess they're in some stuff that I don't know about. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't picture a canning company <laughs> sponsoring a – I don't feel like people that watch a bunch of basketball are the same people that are using a bunch of cans, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they make something I don't know about. And by cans, you're talking about like glass jars. Yeah, it, I mean it's canning, but it's a it's a glass jar. It's, it's a it's a canning jar. It's, it's a glass jar, and so 
there's some stuff. I mean, once you've done it once, it's the water bath canning, super simple. But I don't really want to go, I guess, into full steps of that right now. I think it's easier to probably watch that. Um, and so, if you just look up water bath canning on YouTube, you, you ought to be able to find plenty, plenty of information there on, or plenty of resources there on how to how to do that process. But like I say, that that side probably take as we were making it this weekend. I mean, I think I was having trouble. I was boiling uh, my jars in like a ten quart stock pot, and Morgan was staying ahead of me the whole time. Like I couldn't hardly keep up with her. Like it, it takes such the the recipe for the jam or preserves is is so simple and quick that it took me longer getting jars ready than it did for her to get the jam ready. Yeah. So if you try that, if you if you want to go pick some blackberries and try that recipe, let us know how it turns out. I mean, it, I've got a jar that they made me sitting on my desk. I hadn't tried it yet. I've got to take it home and try it. But let us know if you try that out, if it works out for you. And that's just, like I said, that's just super simple, super quick. Um, that same recipe. I think in most of, like, books and recipes and all that you'll find, that recipe is just called, like, berry jam. Yeah. Because – it's got so many replacements that you yeah. can use that same recipe for. Um, so anyway, that's something to do right now during the summer. That's why I wanted to mention it today. I mean, we always do it this kind of first weekend of June. Um, but anytime between now and July 4th, they're going to be maturing constantly. So, or at least around here, some other folks are probably a little bit ahead of us. But um, if you don't do that, it's a fun thing to do. It's quick and easy. You can get the family involved. And it gives you something to like. Well, and you don't have to make jam or jelly or anything out of them. I mean, those that I said I picked this weekend, I just threw them in a Ziploc bag in the fridge and ate them. I mean, that's like a Yeti cup full of blackberries that cost you about $8 at Sam's. So. Yeah, I'm on freeze uh, some. That, that was another thing. I saw, like, they'll last in the freezer for, like, all the way up to a year, I think. And so you just want to rinse them off good and spread them out, like, on a cookie sheet or something and freeze them. And then once, they, once they've frozen, you can consolidate them all into a bag or something and then – you use them like blueberries or something, throw them in cereal or Yeah, I mean, I'm glad, to, or, I'm glad to see that we've got a bunch of them this year because, like I said about the fig tree, that freeze knocked that back. It knocked my blueberries back. So I had no figs, no blueberries this year. So. Speaking of blueberries, I've never told you this, but just quick side note, side rabbit hole on the blueberries. I planted blueberry bushes like 10 years ago out of our camp house. I have made my first four blueberries this year. I've been yeah, watching those things for you're 10. You're not doing something. I don't know what's going on. I, well, I'm not doing anything. I planted them like the first two years. I was like trying to get, get something working on them. And that's something I, I I love blueberries. And I was like, oh, this is something I'm going to do. I was in college. I was like, this is something I'm going to do. I'm going to plant some blueberries. I always have them. And uh, we were out there this weekend as we were getting ready to make the jam. I was walking by the shed. And I looked over at them. There was four blueberries on it. That's the first four blueberries I've ever made. Well, I got spoiled at my old house that I lived in up till 2020. We had some blueberries that had been there, no telling how long. And I'm not lying to you when I say we could probably get a five-gallon bucket worth of blueberries every year. I mean, that we would we'd pick so many, we'd just get tired of having them. We'd just tell other people to come pick them. But so that as soon as I moved to my new house, I planted some. I planted three. One of them died, so I had two. I planted two more this year. So I'm not – I'm getting – I, if the freeze wouldn't happen this year, I would have had enough to pick because I'm going to lose some of them to birds. That's just yeah. it is what it is, especially where they are. Um, but I would have had enough to pick this year had it not been for that freeze. But well, I, I don't have should. a green thumb. I would have had my first. I didn't even think about it. I, I planted a peach tree then too, and I would have had. I had like 15 peaches on that tree. It would have been the first peaches ever. I had one last year, but a bird got it. <laughs> um, but that freeze killed every single one of those too. So, but. That early uh, early spring and late February that we had tricked everything, and then we got that late freeze that just wiped out all the buds. Well, it seems like it does it every year, but this freeze was one like I don't think we've ever seen, uh-huh. or at least I know we hadn't seen it in my lifetime. So. Right. But that's all I got this week, unless you've got something else. No, that that really kind of wraps up my, my week, my vacation week. We uh, had some good time fishing and good time putting up blackberries and like I said, I think we're going to go back in another week or two and maybe do another another batch or two of preserves, and I want to freeze some and maybe even make a pile when we get done. So so we're hoping that in two weeks we're, we've got a really interesting guest. We've been trying to get on for, I don't know, two months now, but our schedules just hadn't aligned. We're 
Really hoping to have him on in two weeks. Um, don't want to say for sure, though, because like I said, <laughs> we've been trying for like a month and it hadn't happened yet. But uh, if so, that'll be really cool. Um, like we said, the first of the show, make sure you write us a review on Apple or Spotify to get entered into that White Oak Hat giveaway. Um, we hadn't been that active on social lately, but go ahead and follow us over there at White Oak Collective. Or if you want to follow um, White Oak Properties, you can keep up with some stuff there. We've been more active there than we have at the White Oak Collective lately. But um, That's where some of your bulldozer stuff was on, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and I finally got my drone. It's been I've been able to take pictures with it, but the video's been messed up. I finally I had to replace all the propellers, um, but I finally got it fixed, so I'm going to be able to do some video of that kind of stuff and that way you can kind of, yeah if you go to you can go to white oak properties or you can go to my personal instagram at bo b-e-a-u-c burns and actually see some of the stuff i'm doing with the dozer but yep that's all we've got so um we will see y'all in two weeks have a good one